0: Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 250. Uh, and I'm super excited. I'm like, I've wanted to talk about this for like months now. Um today we are talking about a project uh, that I've been like passionately working on for about 10 months, maybe almost a year. I think the, the idea started forming a year ago. Uh, the guy you're going to hear on the podcast, Paul Shearing, Uncle Paul, um, he's the man. I love this guy. Uh, he kind of like implanted the idea, I think, about a year ago, uh, we did the podcast. And I think after we we're talking, he was like, man, I just think it'd be amazing to film an adventure documentary. I was like, dude, First of all, I'm a huge adventure documentary nerd. Like, I love them. This is what I would, would, like, if I had to choose to watch, like, any genre besides, like, dumb action movie, which Lindsay and I are totally in for right now. We're just, like, going down the list of all the dumb action movies every Friday night. Uh, we just watched Commando. It was fantastic. Um, but beyond that, I'm like, dude, I think the number one genre of movies would be, like, adventure film. Um, because one, obviously I'm fascinated by all the adventures that people choose to take on. Um, but two, like the growth that you experience through putting yourself out there and trying something incredibly hard and something that you're not really sure if you're going to be able to accomplish the growth that takes place during that, uh, quest is insurmountable it's almost like indescribable you know um and but i think the films actually do a great job kind of not only showing like the lessons that the person learned but also how those lessons were learned and we'll kind of get into that today um so i'm i'm gonna be making my first film uh and i'm working as as a first-time filmmaker mild-mannered seventh grade science teacher um (laughs) i Am going to be working with two incredibly experienced filmmakers uh, we have Paul who's going to be on the podcast today um, he has been in Hollywood for over 20 years now uh, he was the creator of prison break on Fox um, and I have to say like he's probably the only like Hollywood showrunner who also decides for fun for his vacation um, he's gonna go to the desert and like sweat and let me say this man's blisters during the last two deserats have been epic so he's probably the only person in hollywood who's like you know what i'm gonna do for fun i'm gonna go out there and really push myself to the limit um and you know and i think that's because he recognizes what we just talked about which is um what you gain From that experience, Uh, I actually met Paul on day one of my very first Desert Rats, and we've become really, really good friends since then. Uh, He's helped me out immensely. We've had some conversations um, that have really helped me grow as a human being and really helped me kind of like process and heal. And um, I just love the guy, he's awesome. Uh, And if you haven't checked out the podcast that we've done with him, uh, with Uncle Paul, we, we lovingly call him we lovingly call him uncle paul because he's older no, i mean you know <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with being older paul or anything like that um anywho uh so paul's working on it um it, i'm very excited for that he comes at it with like a writer's mindset making sure um you know he can kind of explore the themes that we want to explore which is basically um how does going through an experience like Desert Rats, an experience like a stage race, um, how is that? How does that make you more complete as a human being? How how do you grow through that? Why is it a good thing to go out in the desert and suffer for a week? Um, second person who is involved in the project is James Adamson. Um, James is, has also been doing filmmaking for about 20 years. He is uh, our director of photography. Um he came down this weekend. We actually did our first weekend of filming and just talking with him I'm like this dude has filmed everything you could imagine. Like he he he's planning on ne- next September he has to go to Dubai and like rappel down the side of like a skyscraper to film something and I was like, "Whoa, dude, you live in amazing incredible life um i'm very excited to uh be working with him he's awesome he's a new dad um where we all just seem to mesh really well this weekend and then finally the last person who's working on the project with us uh besides all the racers besides the race directors you know the people who whose stories we're exploring uh is chris cornejo um chris is uh one of my best friends um He's my fellow mild-mannered 7th grade science teacher. Um, I love the guy. He's a huge movie buff, a huge movie nerd. Uh, We talk movies all the time. Back in the 90s, he worked in a video store. And so when I asked him to come along as like a production assistant, he was psyched. And I have to say, like, out of everything about this experience, I think one of the top things is... I'm just super excited to go out and experience an adventure with him um, because I love the guy. He's amazing, um, so I'm really excited for that. So I kind of got into it before I even telling you what the project is. We're gonna go out and film the Desert Rat Stage Race. I've talked about it for the last couple of weeks on the podcast, but this episode today is all about that. Um, why we're doing this? What themes do we want to explore? Things we're excited for. Things. We're, I'm nervous about um, and how doing a creative project like this is really kind of pushing me outside of my comfort zone. Um, all that being said, uh, I haven't used the podcast in the past to promote something, you know, like I've never done advertisements. I've never, you know, used it to like sell t-shirts or use it to promote myself or anything like that because ultimately for what I was doing like I, I felt like it was unnecessary like it would just be kind of for selfish reasons um, and that being said for this project I'm realizing very quickly like making a film is total collaboration like you need the support you need the community to help you along the way like you're not just gonna be one person making a complete film um so that being said we have started an indiegogo campaign uh if you just looked up desert rats or i'll link it in the show notes here or on our social media i'll probably be posting about it quite a bit for the next month or so or the next month and a half like leading up to the race uh the race itself um if you guys could support that i would absolutely love it um i think a thing that would make this project even more special to me. And obviously I hope you can tell, like I'm doing this because I'm passionate about it. And I, I'm just very excited to go out and make a film. Like there's no like underlying reasons beyond like, this is an opportunity that I didn't know that I would ever have. Um, And it's, it's my opportunity to go have an experience that, i've always wanted to experience um but you know you never you never know like you know that doesn't just happen right like you have to put in the work and i've put in about 10 to 11 months of work at this point before we even got anything down on film uh it's a lot of work but it's also showing me like the lessons i learned from doing the race i'm applying to this project so the little small steps the consistency controlling what i can control uh, and not worrying about the things I can't control, that's all coming into play. Um, so it's just something I'm really excited for. Uh, and I think it's something you guys will will really enjoy. I'm hoping that the end product product will feel like an episode of this podcast, but instead of seeing it, you're actually or I'm sorry, instead of just listening to it, you're actually seeing it. you're you're experiencing the trail in ways that I can't describe. Um, because the beauty of it is indescribable you're seeing people go through something difficult uh, in ways that you can't just say using words like you just have to see it that look in someone's eye when they're when they're tired but they're going to keep going things like that um so we do have an indiegogo campaign uh i would love it if we could raise a lot of the support and a lot of the funding uh Through you guys, like I've worked really hard on this podcast the last on nearly five years at this point, and it would it would just be astounding if we could do that. Um, one of the levels on the Indiegogo campaign. So if you've never done it, Indiegogo basically like you get perks for each level of donation. One of the perks is the actual film when it's ready to be released, which is going to be a while. Like you have to edit it and all that stuff. Um, but when it's ready to be released, the people who fund it at that level, I think it's like the $25 level, um, that those are the people that are getting it first. So, and I've done this with a few people's, uh, few guests I've had on the podcast. I've done it with their campaigns. Uh, it's really cool because you're kind of the first people notified when the film comes out, you get a private link and it's, and you get to watch it and it's cool. And you feel like you were kind of a part of the process. So if you can um i would really really appreciate it um it would be incredible i think it's something that's going to be right up your alley too i'm not gonna i'm not trying to sell you a bag of goods of something you won't appreciate because if you're listening to this podcast like the film is going to explore the same themes that this podcast explores um so yeah so that's the desert rats indiegogo i'll put the link here cool um Let's let's just get into it. 11 and a half minutes in. Uh, I told myself it, going into this intro, I was like, maybe you should only talk for like five minutes, but I'm just super hyped, super pumped up about this. So ladies and gentlemen, I am honored to bring you episode number 250 of the Leica like Bigfoot podcast with my friend, my buddy, filmmaker, ultra runner, adventurer like the dude I turn to when I have issues in life because he he makes me feel calm and, and he uses his wisdom and passes it along. We have Paul Shearing about the Deserats film project. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is maybe the most excited I've been for a podcast. Um, one because we're gonna talk about this big project we've been working on. Um, and we'll kind of let you guys know how you can help us, support us, things like that. But if I'm going to be honest, it's just because I'm talking with my good friend Paul Shearing. Uncle Paul, back on the show. Uh welcome, dude. I'm so excited.
1: I am always happy to talk to you, Chris. Good to talk to you.
0: I'm always honored to talk to you, man.
1: This is just going to be the whole show. Just us like stroking <laughs> each other for an
0: hour. <laughs> um, yeah, Paul, uh, I'm bringing you on the show. One, just because you're wise. You always make me feel good about life. Um, but two, we're, we've been working probably for like the last 10 months, I would say, yeah. um, on a film project, a documentary project on our the stage race where we actually met each other, uh, the Desert Rats stage race. Um. And I just wanted to bring you on, kind of talk about the project, talk about what the race meant to us, and and all that. So, so yeah, man.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Chris and I, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm, you know, for those who listen to the podcast, knows that Chris won uh, the Desert Rats 150 uh, a couple of years ago. It did, wasn't run last year because of uh, of COVID, uh, and so it's not surprising, actually, that that you know, for the last ten months, we've been a. Uh, percolating this big plan to actually go back uh this year actually in june and, and film the thing and so uh having been participants we know we know the event pretty uh, intimately and it's done a lot for us uh and we're looking to make a, a documentary on you know endurance sports coming at it from a slightly different angle and i think we'll get into that a little bit and you know this is your podcast so uh, i'm gonna shut up now and you you drive
0: well um yeah, man. We'll get into all those reasons yeah, and all yeah. that all that fun stuff. I do want to say this though. This I've been holding back from you. This is this is something I haven't told you yet. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a special like connection um, that I haven't mentioned yet. Like a hookup for the for the filming this summer. Ooh. Ready for this, dude? Yes. Bunk bed cots. Nice. We can have this out in the desert. <laughs> Yeah, man. I don't even think, I'm not even going to do a tent. I'm just going to bring this cot and my buddy has bunk bed cots. And I was like, I'm going to tell Paul about that on the show. So do you want top or the bottom on the bunk bed cots?
1: Well, I mean, we got to flip <laughs> the coin because the, the top is clearly without a tent. The, you know, the cappard seat, because you just get to look at the stars all night.
0: That's, oh the yeah.
1: The bottom has to look at the other guy's ass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, okay. Well, we'll get it. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll decide that later, obviously. But I thought you'd be excited about that. Um, (laughs) let's talk about this first, man. Like, what is Desert Rats? Can you kind of describe the race? I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, and I'm sure people have, if they've listened to a bunch of the episodes, they're like, really? It's talking about Desert Rats again, but I'm gonna be honest for me it was a life-changing experience both years. Both years changed my life in different ways. Um, So yeah. Do you want to kind of get into it? Like just kind of explain what the race is and then what it meant to you.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, first of all, I don't think you need to apologize. You know, you're, you're that consummate kind of Iowan, Midwestern, you know, self-effacing, you know, personality and, you know, it is a big deal. This is this is an extraordinary undertaking uh, to to take on a stage race. And, you know, for those that haven't heard, you know, a stage race uh, in this case is 150 miles spread out over six days. Uh, and you're in and you're working your way along the Kokopelli Trail from from Colorado all the way into Moab, Utah. Um, And at night you camp together and you eat and then in the morning, you know, you grumble and you check your blisters and somehow you summon the energy to run another 20 or 30 miles. Uh, And it really tests, you know, obviously physical and mental endurance. Um, And, you know, again, it's just an extraordinary event and not always for the reason that people think as you know, that haven't participated in it before. You know, I, I I recall this conversation that I was having with an old friend about uh, about stage races a year or two ago, and he was dismissive, and and he said, you know, it's really, you know, it's an ego thing. Clearly, you guys are just doing this to prove to prove that you can do it, and so you know, you have this shining kind of accomplishment that you can parade around at dinner parties, and and and, and I took issue with that and I said, you know, that's not quite true. Uh, it, you know, he hasn't done it. And so that's his perspective from the outside. Uh, and, and from the inside, having, having done it, like you and I and a number of other people in this world have, is it's, it's something much deeper and much more transformative than that. Uh, because what it is, is you're, you're taking yourself out of your comfort zone and into a world of hurt and discomfort. And it's prolonged, you know, this is not a one-day marathon where you can you can slog through, you know, a four or five hour or whatever marathon and and go home and, and be done. You know, you have to measure yourself. You have to, you know, keep yourself in the game because you go through so many different ups and lows over the course of those six days. You know, you're certain you'll quit, you know, half the time. Um And yet, when you're put to that test, it brings out things within you, uh, usually in your subconscious, that you didn't know you had in you, um, issues that you have, reasons that you have, um, epiphanies, uh, depths of despair. Uh, It breaks you down in a way that makes, at least in my uh, experience and with the people that I've, you know run these races with, I've seen a common element in all of their experience, which is, you know, you're so broken down and there's no way out. And, you know, it's so long that you, you confront kind of the fundamental things in your life, you know, uh, because there's no comfort, there's no escape. Um, and for that reason, I, you know, I, I consider this event a a spiritual event, you know, I, I consider these things, you know, an exploration of, of what you got in your soul and, and why you're doing the things that you do, and you know, that's really what I'm interested in making a documentary about. Because, you know, obviously there are a lot of documentaries out there in the world about extreme sports, and the photography is incredible. You know, I was watching something the other night with the wingsuit guys, you know, in 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 the Alps, and I mean, you just can't see anything like that. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> are you kidding? You know. <laughs> The physical component of it is, is so bewildering, you know, to virtually everybody on the planet. Um, and we, we have those types of documentaries in spades. Uh, but I don't, what I, where, where I think that our documentary is going to be different is, we're going to come at it from a very human ass element, you know, which is we're going to get to know these people and their pains and their, their joys, uh, their secrets. Um, And we're going to throw them into the fire, you know, well, really, they're going to throw themselves in the fire and we're going to bear witness. Um, And you know, that's one of the, you know, the main ideas of storytelling is you introduce the audience to characters that they like, and then you drag them through hell, right? It was one of the first things I, you know, one of the first kind of edicts I learned in film school. and that's precisely what this race is, is, you know, you take a, a band of people that have a certain amount of, you know, ideas and expectation beforehand, but they're all very different. Everyone's there for a different reason. Yeah. Uh, and then you drag them all through hell and you see how the different people respond. Um, some break, you know, some rise above, some have new insights that has nothing that it almost never has to do with racing. It never does. Um, it's always about life. Uh, and so that's really what i'm hoping to get out of this you know this project when we when we go to utah
0: in june yeah a couple of things about that um you mentioned wingsuit guys which is absolutely incredible but i think the biggest difference is something like a stage race is accessible to anybody you know you you put on shoes you just go for it you know you and you just keep going and that's really it comes down to that and it's regular people doing these things. And I just, I've always connected to this quote from Jimmy Valvano, who's like a coach for NC state basketball. And he just said every day in every walk of life, ordinary people do extraordinary things. And I just think when I think back to my desert rats experience, there were so many things I came away with that were like special just to me. But I think one of the things I came away with was just, I've never been as invested in other people's stories as I was in that race. And you're invested in every, like I came away and I'm like, I knew how everyone's day two went. I knew how everyone's day three went. Like I was just fully in and not only the racers, but even the crew. And I'm like, man, I've never been around such an inspiring group of people because you just witness their struggle through those days. And it was it was really powerful for me.
1: Yeah. It, it, and I in I agree completely. And and that's another aspect of, of revelation, you know, that comes out of the experience is uh, you know, when when you talk about, you know, again, the marathon analogy, and, and again, I don't want to bag on marathons. I don't want to bag on uh, wingsuits because all that stuff's extraordinary <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. It's apples and that, that's all, they're, they're, they're just different beasts, that's all, and that's fine, um, but, but in the case of, of the, the, the um, races, the stage races that I've run, because uh, I've run another one besides uh, Desert Rats, um, is that you know, unlike the marathon, where you're basically blown by people or people blown by you, uh, and you know, once in a blue moon, there's a great story of somebody that picks some, someone else who's fallen, it's largely a an isolated affair, you know, and in the case of desert rats, it's communal and, and you bond, you know, you're this, you're this tribe, this dirty, stinky tribe out in the middle of nowhere. Cause you know, what's nice about desert rats is the field is never, never very big. You know, when I ran the marathon to Saab in Morocco, the field was 1200 people. Yeah. Um, and when we ran last year or, you know, 18 months ago, it was what? 11. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, and and so it, it it evokes for me, you know, the way that a platoon bonds or something in war. And again, apples and oranges, war is a totally different thing than desert rather than races. Um, but there, they do have a common aspect, which is under extreme fire or duress people, you know, that have, have that common, you know, experience of hardship bond. Yeah. Um, and that's how you and I developed this lifelong friendship um, and you know I think of all the other people that we bonded with along that and again that's the real reward it's like what your time is is immaterial it's you know it's it's the qualitative stuff like you know the friendships you develop the insights you have into you know camaraderie uh, and as I say a lot of the things that, that, that percolate up from within and, and, and what I've found is they're always almost good you know it's you know it, it's painful but the goodness rises up in everybody you know uh the insight is almost always positive uh and so you know i really hope that we can we can properly express that in this documentary because it's a profound thing it's a very sweet thing you know it's, it 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 it's just this, you know humans are fundamentally good you just have to hit them over the head with the frying pan like 700 times and then they'll
0: realize <laughs> <laughs> well dude it's funny that you mentioned the story of your friend talking about like you know going out there kind of based on your ego so you have something to talk about because from my experience just ultra running in general is the opposite of that and maybe you do of originally maybe you you could originally sign up because of the ego right but Absolutely. once you go out and you do it it strips the ego away and you're left with this cool. like greater sense of self
1: yeah and, and i think that the ones that keep coming back have touched something right in the crucible of the ultra yeah which is that's the thing they want to get back to even though it's really at the depths of suffering and sometimes it's suffering just suck you don't want to get back to it. But if your only motivation is your ego, sooner or later you're gonna burn out. You're just gonna be like, dude, it ain't worth it, man. I I ain't you know losing nine toenails for my ego. Uh, but you know, if you're you know having epiphany, you know, like you've never had at other stages of your life, you go, Yeah, maybe I'll lose nine toenails again.
0: Yeah, which toenail survives? Uh,
1: I think it was one of my big ones. This was not an <laughs> We're not in Desert Rats, this was in Rock.
0: Let me ask you so, okay, I'll just share my perspective really quick and then I want to hear yours because it was funny. I was thinking about this, I was like, dude, I did interview you briefly after the first one, and then we've done podcasts together, which have always been super fun, but we've never like I never went in and broke down your complete like experience at the race. Um, and so just to give you mine, like for me and I guess I want to relate this to the film because let's just get into this right now. I'm good. I'm a complete newbie at filmmaking. Um, you know, and we've talked a bit, you know, uh, about just the beginner's mindset and how nerve wracking it can be and things like that. Um, you're a pro at this. I mean, you're, you're a professional filmmaker. Um, that's your career. Um, you know, you've worked on a whole bunch of different projects over what, like the last 20 years or so. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of relate it to my experience of actually running desert rats, because I think there are so many lessons that I learned from doing the stage race that now we've been applying to this project. And the obvious, the obvious ones are like persistence, right? Like You just got to keep going in the face of any obstacle that comes your way. If you're passionate about something, you just have to keep doing it. Um, The other thing is consistency. Like, you know, just be consistent. Do a little bit every single day. And eventually those little things add up into a big thing. Um, But from my experience doing the race, year one, I didn't think I could even, I, I went into it never having done anything like it super nerve-wracking super nervous super anxious i didn't even know if i was going to be able to finish the race right and so i went in and throughout the week my perception totally changed and not only was i able to finish but like i had a great time i had fun it wasn't as much suffering as i thought um and also through that experience Uh, I came in with definitely a lot of emotional baggage. And I know, Paul, you and I had this amazing conversation after the second year just about that that help. But, like, Lindsay and I had been suffering a terrible loss. Uh, It was, like, seven years earlier, too. So it wasn't, like, super fresh. Mm -hmm. But I was still struggling with it every single day. And I think what Deserets allowed me to do was – to intentionally like process that loss. Um, you know, I wouldn't say heal, I like I don't.
1: Let me ask a question about that though. Yeah. So, so obviously you learned in the first, uh, the first uh, edition that we ran together, uh, the nature of the beast. This is this is what, this is what Desert Rats, you know, a stage race is and, and what it evokes in me as I go along. Um, were you actively trying to process uh, or kind of put, closure is not the right word, but come to grips with the morning in your life? Or did you kind of, you know, realize that, did that kind of percolate up and you realize, oh, wow, I was just here to run. But now, you know, I'm in this crucible of, of you know, exhaustion and pain and heat, uh I'm starting to see what is most important to me and what's unresolved for me uh, because I didn't know about your loss uh, until the second year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering if you weren't quite as open to it, you know, both obviously with other people, but more importantly with yourself, until the second year because you realized what this race could potentially unlock for you.
0: Yeah, I... I don't think I intentionally went into the week ready to heal. Um, I remember, or not? Like I said, I don't like the word "heal." I guess because healing makes you think like it's all good now, and you're like, no, it's something you live with.
1: Don't worry about it too much. I mean, if you got a scar, you've healed. You got a scar now.
0: Oh yeah, this, just, yeah.
1: That's don't true. worry about heal.
0: Um, so, I th- part way through the week, I realized that there were people out there going through really similar things. Um, and so once I realized that, I don't know if I took it kind of like as a sign of like, wow, like, you know, there are other people going through these heavy moments as well. And it just brought everything up on my mind. And day four, the long day where you climb up into the mountains, like I was really ready and open to like okay. I was like, I know it's going to be a long day, like all day long. I'm just gonna be walking and jogging a little bit and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to actually going to take this time to like feel all the feelings, you know? Cause so often you just distract yeah, yourself. Three days set that up though. I, yeah. I, I think the first three days
1: softened you up. Um, and <clears throat> it gave you time to, to properly under to start to sense, like you said, what was beneath the surface. And then you were open to it on day four. Yeah. Uh, because again, the first three days are arduous. You know, we're not talking about, you know, a bunch of three mile runs we're talking about in, in, you know, in total, I don't know, 70 or 80 miles. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, so you're already beat up.
0: Um, and that's just, I think that's right. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. Like it strips, it it takes the ego away. I think like, I mean, a challenge like this, you're not building your ego up. You're actually like, stripping it away so you're just down to bare bones at that point um and that's probably where i was at and i just remember basically setting an intention like today i'm gonna let myself feel the feelings that i was i had been distracting myself you know and you know when you're it i i mean it was going out and doing a stage race definitely a selfish thing you do it for yourself and finally it was like okay i have time to you know I don't want to say not worry about everyone else but like when Lindsay and I went through it and we lost our daughter to stillbirth um yeah. seven years before that and when we went through that like I was going through my stuff but I was also part of me was like I have to take care of Lindsay and make sure she's okay too and like vice versa for her probably Um and then you're out you find yourself out in the desert, like literally in the middle of nowhere, you know, no one else is around, and you're like, okay, now's my now is my opportunity to really like take this in, you know. I don't know. Like I I don't know. It just it was really interesting. (laughs)
1: Let me push back and just change you on one of the things you said, and yeah, and feel free to tell me that I'm a loon. But um you know, you say going for a week to the desert to run a race is um, is a selfish endeavor, um, but I see it differently. Which is, I I think properly utilized, uh, it's an opportunity. Well, I know I almost you know invariably it's a it's an opportunity for a profound renewal, right? Yeah. Um, and I have always found. Uh, for me personally, and in, in, in with the people that I have talked to, that uh, they come back better people, right? They're a better partner to their wife. They're a better parent to their kids. You know, they're more willing to, to make amends, you know, where they need to. So, you know, I'm a big advocate of of people going away, you know, whether it be on retreat or, you know, into solitude to for renewal, because sometimes that's what people need. You you need yeah. to go away uh without the distractions and the obligations and everything. I mean, there's a reason the monks go hang out in caves. I mean, it's that's the only way you really gain insight, you know, in uh I should say it's one of the ways that you gain insight, but, but so I'm not sure it's, again, you know, in the way that my friend said, you know, oh, that's an ego thing. I I think that's a, a, not a very deep, uh, understanding of it. And similarly, the notion that, you know, going away and subjecting yourself to, you know, this sort of hardship is, is also not necessarily a selfish act, uh, because I think there's a great deal of benefit that comes from it, uh, because you're a different person when you return
0: yeah when i'm i was just about to say like since that day the expedition day from that first year my grief has changed um in a complete completely different way like it's it's no longer it's still obviously really heavy on my heart but it's it's a it's a bit lighter than it was and it was a bit of the like you know i they always talk about like the stages of grief and it's like the acceptance part like yeah there you go it might have taken me quite some time for acceptance at that point you know what i mean
1: everything everything is a process you know and it's just it's it's ultimately which way is it trending and you know because the trend is your friend it's like you know you're not going to get from black to white you know overnight it just doesn't happen but but if you do open yourself, you know, up to new ways of being, you know, that can, that can progress and deliver you to a better way of being and mindset, then that's the victory, you know. Uh, and so that hinge that you're talking about on the long day in the first season, I think is, I mean, how invaluable is that? Yeah. You know, that's worth the price of admission 10 times over, yeah. right? Because yeah. you know, you're still benefiting from that. Yeah. Right? And I would imagine your relationship with your, your loved ones are benefiting from that. It's my guess. I mean, I don't want to poke, but, but that's just the way that it works. work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. And so, you know, going from that experience to the second year, second, and it's funny, maybe it's just day four, I don't know, but the second year, honestly opened my eyes to what i'm capable of or what or the like infinite of what anyone's capable of because everything just fell into place and it was perfect and i realized this like inner power that like i don't want to get all hippy dippy as phil says our buddy phil he always says hippy dippy but anyways uh it kind of opened up my eyes to this like inner strength that is accessible to pretty much anybody if they truly put 100 of their effort into it and that that same thing day four like i i've been changed since then too and i'm like wow like everything's possible you just have to be able to be willing to like put the work in yeah
1: and to me that's you've touched on what i what i consider to be the second great benefit of of engaging in things like this is the sense of possibility that awakens in your life, you know, is that, you know, it starts applying to other things that you would not have anticipated, right? Because you, you stepped into what, you know, by all appearances is an impossible endeavor. You know, I can remember towing the starting line in, in Morocco for the Marathon de Saab in, in 2014, and, and I had never done anything like that. And I thought, you know, I'm a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but I just kind of laughed. And I was like, dude, just start putting feet together and, you know, go till you drop dead or you can't do it anymore or whatever. And, you know, we'll see. But don't, don't run the whole race right now. Yeah. Just run the next few steps. Yeah. Uh, and then you just keep doing that. Uh, and subsequent to that, you know, there was, you know, a, a growing sense of possibility in my own life. It's, you know, you really suddenly feel like the impossible might just be possible if you just start and stay with it and the steps can be small um but that is such that, that's that's the great reward in life is just to constantly feel like something is possible everything is possible it's 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 worth more than all the money everything i mean it sounds like you know an obvious like kind of truism but it's Dude, it's, it's just wonderful, it's a wonderful mindset it, in the way that you often unlock it is in things like the stage races or other you know, enormous endeavors that you think there's no way that I can do it. You know, it, it I always think of um, one of my favorite quotes uh, you know, by Rumi, the Persian poet. He says, uh, what did he say? Begin a big foolish project like Noah, right? Um, and I just love that, right? because noah's like dude i don't know uh nail some wood together and hopefully get all the you know giraffes and lions in (laughs) there
0: all right uh and then you know
1: all these years later he's noah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah man well i mean maybe this film for me is the test of that mindset because you know we started thinking about going out there and filming this as a documentary and and not racing it, by the way, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'll put that in the intro. Like we're not gonna race it this year. We wanna capture the story and tell the story as kind of observers, knowing what, and you know, the way I look at it too is, I want, I want the documentary to feel almost like a visual version of one of the pod, like of the podcast, basically. Like I want it, cause people come on here and they share their stories of adventure they share what the lessons they learned, which is awesome and so powerful. And I love, I love doing that. But I think one step up, like a level up is showing people the adventure, but also showing the people how the lessons were learned in the moment. And I'm like, man, if you can capture that, like the you know, they'll come out of it a different person. You keep mentioning this idea of a crucible, which I really like. And I think that's really interesting, but they come out of it with, like I came out of it with this new mindset, but to actually be there when that mindset is being developed, I think is really cool.
1: Well, it's interesting. Like, like I reflected on it and the two instruments of kind of epiphany or a breakthrough uh, that I found uh, on the race was, you know, you know, and these are ultimately I think the scenes that you're looking for that we're hoping to capture is is one is pain right uh it, you're really putting somebody up against the wall, and they're not sure they can go any further, right uh and when they do, that's when the sense of possibility begins for them, because i can I can keep going even though I didn't think I could do it, right. Uh, what else can I keep doing, even though I didn't think I could persist. And then the second thing, and this is the more wonderful thing in some ways is is it's, it's in people and, and, and it'll come out in the interface between people, people looking out for each other, you know, um, people bonding, uh, prioritizing each other over time, um, it just that the communion between people is where more revelation happens, um, and it's a very sweet thing, um, and it, it's hard to articulate beyond that. Uh, but I, I feel like my sense is, as we shoot this, those are going to be those those are going to be the types of moments, you know, in pain and in communion, where we are going to see those epiphanies in in our runners, um, because that's just universally in my experience in these races is universally you know where it happens um so we'll see
0: yeah man dude i'm so excited well so real quick like what was something you know well actually i want to hear about this you keep mentioning the idea of a crucible can you kind of like explain that a little bit
1: yeah i mean i i you know in terms of you know dramatic narrative i already kind of talked a little bit about the idea of you know introducing you know characters that uh the, the audience likes and in this case you know real people uh and subjecting them to you know hell uh which in this case is this race um which is like
0: blisters just- dude i want to see some blisters popping. i'm just imagining your feet right now uh yeah, you have I, always a- had
1: the worst. I always had the worst feet in the race i want to just look at my feet and be like dude that's just that's ugly don't don't show that to me
0: you had this Um, one on the bottom of your foot that was the craziest (laughs) blister like you had a blister on a blister somehow and it was like blood red and I watched him poke it because I was like I've never seen anything like this again so I'm like I gotta watch yeah
1: unfortunately I just got sissy feet man you know (laughs) it's just like that, that's it's always that. It's always that's the thing I got to power through. It's not the lungs or the the bones or the knees or anything. It's just my damn feet. They just start falling off after a few days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, that's you know that's the challenge that you get through because I remember the first day you know the first race that I ran where you know my toenails started falling off and there are blisters on blisters. I'm like, there's no way I can get up tomorrow and run. I'm gonna have to quit. And then you know I and started the next do. day. I'm like, well maybe I can do another mile. Maybe I could do another mile. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyhow.
0: Yeah, but, sorry, you're explaining a crucible. Oh,
1: right. Oh, so the other part, the non-dramatic part is, um, how can you say, it's just hardship. It's it's intense hardship that you're not accustomed to. Um, and you think of a lot of these, you know, ascetic religi- religious practices over the centuries. You know? uh, hunger, you know, hunger fasts and, you know, social or sorry um physical deprivation uh self-flagellation and hair shirts there's just there there's something in depriving yourself of the comforts of day-to-day existence and you know suffering that just evokes insight uh and you know as i say you know there are they're various and you know sundry across all the different you know aspects and you know things in life uh but for our purposes you know with this documentary, it's about you know exertion in in the heat and in the desert and uh you know is that on the long day the rose garden
0: the rose garden yeah it's there's no roses the- it's it's no. jagged rocks spoiler alert for our for our own <laughs> movie
1: <laughs> is that um is that on the long day yeah, yeah uh, so two years ago, I, I ran out of water on that. Cause that's the longest, uh, the longest, uh, stretch between aid stations. And that was the hottest day of the year that year. And, um, it was 10 miles, I think. And, and, and I was, I was fascinated by the fact that one minute I had water and I was at the bottom of Rose garden, which is, you know, this kind of Canyon that, you know, below the high plains of the desert and so it's not subject to the cooling winds that you know are so wonderful when you're sweating and dying in the heat it's just dead air right and you go down in there and it's just talk about a crucible I mean a literal crucible you're just baking in there and I went from having water and thinking okay I've only got four more miles to the aid station no problem at all to drinking it all because my mouth was drying so rapidly. And I, within, you know, I finished my last drop. I'm like, well, I still got three and a half miles, you know, I'll be fine. And within finishing my last drop, it was just, you know, the physiology of it's really fascinating. And somebody smarter than me can explain to me, but um, my mouth dried up instantly. I went from a place of having, you know, usual saliva and spit in my mouth and no problem to just Bone dry driver, I couldn't talk. My, t- my tongue was frozen in my mouth. Um, and my head started swimming. Uh, you know, it must have been the early stages of heat exhaustion, right? Like I, I realized uh, that I probably had 60% of my mental capacity and, and, you know, huge tracts of words in my vocabulary were suddenly just unavailable to me. Um, and it was interesting from a physiological standpoint, but more importantly, Oh, I always get emotional talking about this, but, uh, a guy I didn't know looked after me and he saw I was in trouble and he had one bottle of water left. Right. And he had three and a half miles to go. And it was not a big bottle of water. And he said, you take it. And I said, well, you know, uh, we'll share. I mean, just give me a sip. It's yours. And, and, and he insisted that I take the whole thing. Um, and it was such a profound moment of like grace, right? I mean, he's literally giving me the shirt off his back, right? Um, and it was in that, that deepest depth of pain and struggle and you know, and haziness, right? I, I couldn't even see straight, I, I couldn't think straight uh, and, and I needed help, right? And, and men are so you know, not good at that, <laughs> asking for help. <laughs> And this guy, you know, and I wasn't the walking dead. I wasn't stumbling around, but, but he saw enough of me to know that it was better that I had his water than him. And I'm like, that's worth the price of admission. Meeting that guy in that moment, you know, and seeing what the human heart is capable of. Yeah. And he was in the crucible too. He was getting baked down there at the bottom of Rose garden and his name is Scott Scarapinto and he lives in Florida and God bless you, man.
0: <laughs> oh dude, Scott. He, yeah. He was awesome, man. Yeah. You gave that guy. He remember that one day he was sprinting as fast as he could. And <laughs> I was like, wow, you're fast today. He's like, I just had coffee for the first time ever. And I was like, Whoa, right. that'll <laughs> do it. Um, He's like, this race is easy. <laughs> <laughs> dude. I mean, yeah, man, that's it's It's those powerful moments that are just completely life changing. And I think, kind of, a, a bigger theme that'll be something really interesting this year, just experiencing it and watching it is we just went from this year of 2020 of isolation, yeah. sh- shut down, shut away from people. Um, and we're going to do, we're going to be showcasing this really communal experience face to face. And I, I mean, oh, yeah. right. and I just think that's, that's really interesting. Plus just the idea of like what you just said, like people being uncomfortable, you know, and what, what are the lessons you learn from being uncomfortable through suffering? We all in some way, obviously it's a big spectrum here of how much you suffered through 2020. Some people, unfortunately, horrible suffering. Other people, you know, just, not as much with a change, but in some way, everybody went through some sort of suffering over this last year. And it's something you can, everyone could relate to. Um, And it's kind of like, how do you use that suffering to better yourself? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. You know, now that you say that it, it, it strikes me that, you know, in a lot of ways this race for a lot of these people will be a coming out party from, from, the pandemic.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Uh so on one level you think, you know, they're going to be quite ecstatic to be out in the in the world and, and amongst people, um, particularly the natural world in Utah and Moab and all that stuff. But on another level, you know, the pent up hardships that that we as a society have, you know, <sighs> Stored up over the course of this pandemic is not to be underestimated. You know, I, I think everybody has suffered in some capacity. You know, I was just reading about you know opioid uh, deaths are at an all-time high. You know, I know a couple guys you know from my high school that committed suicide. It's 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 a hard, hard, hard time. Uh, so I can only imagine that that people are carrying that into this race. Uh, and that some people will find, um, you know, insight into it or maybe a breakthrough or catharsis is maybe the best word, which is, you know, they can finally let out that huge sigh or that sob or whatever it is, you know, that's just been building for months and months and months and months and months. And, you know, and I'm a big psychophysiological guy. Like you carry it all in your body. You just do like all the tensions, all the emotions, everything, or it's just, you know, your muscles are tight. Your, your whole body is tight. You're carrying it in there. And physical catharsis is a great way to get mental and emotional catharsis. Right. Um, And so I'm inclined to think that this year may have more fireworks than usual. Uh, because of that yeah
0: yeah man no i i agree i think it's something that'll <clears throat> i mean honestly for me you just mentioned a sob of catharsis like i i may be the one out there sobbing in catharsis you know what i mean like <laughs> i i just you know yeah yeah i'm just so looking forward to this event um it's hard for me to really put into words except that i mean at the end of the day this whole project for both you and i is a complete passion project it's it's something we're approaching you know not from like an amateur standpoint but from like a like we're taking it very seriously but it's from pure passion you know it's not like you know, there's like a movie studio behind it. Cause you're used to working with movie studios and, and all that stuff, but it's just something that I think we're both like really passionate to tell this story. So I'm, I'm excited for that, but I will say this, Paul, as, as a beginner, there's a lot of, uh, the imposter syndrome happening. I know I told you that the other day when we were talking on the phone, I was like, so when you're working on a project, do you just like 24-7 battle of the imposter syndrome. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So that's, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, again, that's, it, it's relevant, obviously to filmmaking and all creative acts uh, and to, you know, running a race like this or, you know, whatever else it is in your life, it's, there are doubts, you know, that that's just how it is from top to bottom, you know, the most you know, the most accomplished to to the to the ones that are that are you know, neophytes is just a you know an uncertainty, and that's that's human. And you know, I think often of uh, the documentary uh, Hearts of Darkness, which is about you know Francis Ford Coppola making his masterpiece of Apocalypse Now, and there's this incredible sequence where his wife comes in, and you know they're in the Philippines and they've been in the jungle for 300 days or what have you, and and Coppola has converted this this riverboat into his, you know, personal office. Uh, and it's in that riverboat that he's, you know, feverishly writing new scenes, you know, as they're shooting, which, of course, usually doesn't work out. Um, but, you know. And again, that that documentary I, I can't recommend it enough because you talk about a guy who's you know in the crucible. You know, Brando shows up. You know, 100 pounds overweight, and he hasn't read the book uh, that it's based upon. And, and Hopper's you know on every possible drug possible. And um, but the more important point for this conversation is his wife comes in and you know is filming him. You know, the maestro, right? This is Francis Ford Coppola, who's just come off of two straight Oscars, right, for his last two films. Uh, and he looks at her, and he's so freaked out and insecure, and he says, "I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> uh, and so, I think that that comes regularly to everybody. Uh, you know, as I say, in the creative world, in the business world, in the you know, in the athletic world. Um, and the great lesson, is, and again, it sounds like a truism, but there's so much to draw from it, is a race like this, like what you did with Desert Rats, it translates perfectly. It's like, you know what, start shooting, you know, yeah. and have a plan, do all your homework before, be very smart about it. But, you know, it's that Mike Tyson quote, you know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth, right? And, you know, as soon as you start Desert Rats, you get punched in the mouth. As soon as you start filming a TV show or a movie, you get punched in the mouth. There's no version of an easy road for any of these things, uh, and so the real wisdom is to go. Yeah, maybe I feel like an imposter. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing, like Coppola. But you know, the mistake always is quitting. The mistake always is quitting. It's, and I, I I'm, I, somebody asked me uh, at, at some conference or something about you know, what's the secret? And, you know, just off the top of my head, I said X plus one. Right. And they're like, what? And I'm like, X is the t- number of times you get knocked down. X plus one is the number of times you get up. Right. Uh, and I thought it was so clever. And then I kind of really worked that out. I'm like, no, but I think they're both X. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: have a calc. I have a calc professor down the street from me who I want to interview for the podcast at some point, not about calculus. But, you
1: know, it, it, it works, <laughs> you know, you know in a
0: semi-intuitive way so it's just yeah. like you know whatever you do just do all the homework you can and start and you know you'll be fine dude you went with the chumbo wumba i get knocked down but i get up again that is going to
1: be the soundtrack to our documentary i've
0: used it in uh, adventure racing with my friends we just had it on our phone and as soon as everyone was kind of in a low mood i'm like boop i get knocked down And I don't know, but anyways, I, I think it's, I mean, it's awesome for me. I was thinking about this. I'm like, dude, I don't, I've always wanted to make a film. I think like deep down inside, it's always, I love movies. I love film. I love sports movies. Obviously I did a whole entire episode of the podcast about sports movies. It was one of my, my proudest moments, if I'm going to be honest, but I've always loved that idea but i think i needed that i need that extra like kick in the butt and also that extra like i can lean on these other people who are experienced at this to get this done you know and having you and james adamson who we haven't mentioned yet i'll talk about him in the intro but he's like an amazing adventure filmmaker um, who has this experience doing documentaries? He did a documentary on the Coca Trail, which I'm like, well, that just falls in line right there, you know. But to have you guys doing, to having you guys along for this ride and really like steering the ship is just this big confidence booster for me. Um, I but I've been trying to understand it like this, like you just mentioned, I think ultimately the process is the most important part. Like I'm like, man, I'm already learning so many lessons just from the last 10 months. I can't even imagine what lessons I'll learn during the actual shoot. And I'm like, you know, the finished product I am, obviously that's the thing you work towards and with a movie or a TV show, like it's a really obvious thing, like that's the finished product. But I'm like, just like an ultra, the finish line isn't the thing that's the important part. It's all the moments in between, like all the things, the journey itself that led to that destination is the important part. And so for me, just doing this with you guys, which I'm incredibly honored to even, you know, work with you at all on anything like it's amazing. And that process though, like I'm just pulling a lot from that. And I'm trying to reframe like fear and self-doubt because it is like a constant, almost daily battle of like one moment I'll be like super confident, like, yes, I'm going to crush this. And then the next moment is like self-doubt comes in and fear comes in, but I'm trying to reframe it now as like those things arise because of how passionate I am about this. You know, it's like a sign, like the more fear, the more self-doubt you're feeling is almost like a reflection of how passionate you are about the thing that you're working towards.
1: Well, that, that sense of po- a possibility that you, that you touch, you know, what's all right. Because you're saying, you know, what's being unsaid beneath that is why not? Right. Why not? Uh, yeah. As opposed to here are the reasons why not I'm not going to do it, right? Because then you wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Um, and you know you've displayed an extraordinary amount of you know you know initiative and uh, in preparation for 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 this thing and vision um, and wisdom too. You know you're not going out there with a handy cam. Do they have such things anymore? <laughs> Um, but you're not going out there with an iPhone and thinking you're going to do it all by yourself at the beginning. You know, you, you, you have the wisdom to go, you know what, I'm going to surround myself with the right people. Right. Uh, And that's how you make a stable and good production and you learn. Right. Um, And another thing I think that, that we're going to find here uh, is, you know, not just perseverance, but a certain flexibility, uh, because, you know, there's an adage in Hollywood about there are, you know, three movies that you make when you make a movie, right? There's the script that you write, then there's the thing you film, then there's the thing you end up editing, right? And none of them are the same movie. Uh, So you wanna have a really good template at the beginning, uh, but then you have to not go to pieces when, you know, Mike Tyson punches you in the mouth.
0: that's Mike Tyson will be out on the coca yeah. trail. I forgot I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Oh man. He'll be out there uh, th- with his gloves on just ready when you run oh, by. Yeah, oh man, how great an image would that. be? <laughs>
1: um, but uh you know, and again, you have there's a certain confidence that that comes with that which is, you know, all right, things are changing, but I can adapt and I and I'm I'm nimble enough here that I can find my way through it. And you know, ultimately that's what Coppola was doing in that riverboat, right? Cause you know, there were two choices, either adapt or die, you know, quit. Yeah. And so the very act of rewriting those scenes was a form of adaptation, right? Which is, okay, things are changing. How do I fix it, right? Uh, and, you know, that's what we're gonna do here, especially in the documentary format um, and, so I'm I'm quite confident because you know again I've improvised with you on a trail you know in, in you know the running capacity to know that you know there's nothing you can't take on.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, and so it's funny that you mentioned that because I think speaking from me, like okay, so just to put it into some context here, um, I ba- I do this whole podcast by myself. Like I email people I produce it I edit it I obviously do the podcast itself all of that is just me and I'm still coming to comfort like I'm still trying to be comfortable asking people for help along the way do you know what I mean but to do a project like this like there's really no other choice except to you know form a team uh get support things like that. And I know we're both Midwestern here. So yeah. the Midwestern challenge is you don't want to be a pain in anyone's ass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. So all that being said, um, we, are, we are kind of like seeking support on the project. Um, I set up an Indiegogo campaign. I'll link it on here um, to the show, um, and support like Indiegogo, basically you, you like fund something, fund an independent project. Um, Mm -hmm. but you get something kind of in return. So like for movies, it's really easy. Like one of the levels is just like you pay for the movie and then they send you that when it's digitally ready you basically just buy the movie just before it's made, if that makes sense. Um, But I think like a big thing would be, you know, obviously if people are able to kind of help support financially, that would be amazing. Um, But also just kind of sharing it to your like communities of adventure. If you're listening to the podcast, you're probably a fan of adventures. Um, You know, you probably have, friends who are kind of into ultras or into endurance sports or things like that so i mean i think that actually is kind of the biggest way to support the project is just send it out and whether that's on like a social media platform i don't know how effective that is or whatever but like even just me i'm like i'm just going to email some of my friends or some people who've been on the podcast, who I'm like, dude, I bet they totally dig this film. Like I bet they would love it because this is something they're like super passionate about, you know, stories of endurance and stories of major adventures or, or regular people out there kind of seeking kind of this weird, like inner truth through suffering. Um, And so I'm emailing like just friends, you know, people on the podcast and things like that. So so, yeah, yeah I think
1: you touched on something really important in terms of what this film ultimately is, um, because, again, in, in storytelling, the specifics are, you know, of course, always important, but it's really the underpinning, you know, story. You know, it, it's really the it's the soul of the thing, you know, the theme of the thing, the essence of the thing. And you touched on something really important here is, you know, you know, obviously, on the surface, this is a story of people running out the desert all by themselves, sweating yep. and <laughs> pushing up against boundaries. But um, sweating and really chafing, <laughs> sweating and chafing the movie. <laughs> um, so it's, it's it's really a story about normal people. You know, in in you know, these are not all Adonis's that you know with running legs up to their nipples. You know, this is this is you know. Uh, any any man, any woman on the street, I mean you'll be surprised by the participants, uh, but they 've all come with a dream, right, and they are overcoming enormous challenges and hardship and you know issues in their own life they 're breaking down the process they're having epiphanies and coming you know emerging from it with a sense of possibility and hope in uh, that type of story. Is uh, appealing to anybody, uh, not just runners, and I, I think that if we execute this right, it can really be um, beneficial to the people that watch it and inspirational, more importantly. Which is, you know, every time I put that on, man, I get fired up. I'm going to go, you know, run across
0: the United States now, or you know, <laughs> or whatever, whatever, <laughs>
1: whatever that is. Uh, you get my point they're like like, they're uh,
0: forest gumping they just like get up and just just go for years and they're like
1: dude i watched your video and i got divorced
0: Um, oh uh, dude i hope that doesn't happen oh i'm kidding but um
1: (laughs) but i do think it's important to understand the the soul of the thing and the heart of the thing we're trying to do because you
0: know it's just it's a profound profound thing that we're after yeah yeah, man. And I, I want this, I want it to be like trail running is so grassroots and kind of underground. I know it's gaining popularity, but like, come on, it's gaining popularity. Like most people, I, you know, I talked to people at work and I was telling them about burrow racing today. Uh, just, yeah. you know, spoiler alert for one of the segments we're going to go film in a week. And uh, when he says
1: burrow, he means donkey.
0: I mean, donkey, you run yeah, with I a donkey know. and they're like, yeah what is this and they've like lived in colorado like there's some underground trail racing like trail racing the community is just so grassroots still and i want the like people supporting the movie like i want it to be like authentic support i want it to be grassroots i want people to be like man i love the trail running community this sounds really cool I've been through an experience kind of like this through my own adventures and man, I want to see what these guys come up with. Like, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping for with the whole Indiegogo campaign. Like we, we threw around different options about funding and stuff like that, but I was like, ultimately, you know, Desert Rats as the race is kind of a grassroots race. And I kind of want that experience and i want people involved in and in things like that i guess
1: yeah i mean amen it's just you know i think ultimately we just want to spread the word it's just there's there there are there are ways through the challenges and this is one of them uh, and maybe watching this movie will you know inspire whoever watches it to you know take on the challenge whatever in, in whatever you know shape that challenge is you know that that's really the ultimate intent here
0: I told my, so my coworker, Chris Cornejo, who's also like a huge movie geek, like worked at a movie store back in the nineties. He still talks yeah, about yeah. it all the time. Lovingly was in like, <laughs> he went to Boston college when like, he's like, Oh, you mean when Damesy and Benny A were there? And I was like, Oh geez. Uh, so he's like a huge like movie guy. Right. And he's also a runner. Right. So I told him, I'm like, dude, you know, secretly, this is just a huge elaborate ploy to get you to run desert Rats. I'm bringing you. He's gonna be our production assistant on the, uh, on the film crew, and I'm like, you know, this is just a a long con so in like a year from now you're like i think i could do deserets because i think oh, like
1: i thought you meant this time around we're like we're at the finish line of a stage and we're like oh hey chris we left our coffee at the starting line could you run back and get it <laughs> you are the production
0: assistant i mean yeah you're
1: the pa i'm sorry it falls to you it's only 26 miles away Go. yeah
0: dude it's still hot though because it's like 108 degrees out here so the coffee's still hot so we're good but you yeah, know, don't spill them. No, but I think I, and I guess I, to kind of like link it to the, like what the audience, you know, what the audience should expect from watching it. I'm like, I think Chris will go out there and watch the racers and be like, I think I can do this. Like, I think I can actually go out and take on this goal. And I'm like, yeah. And that's what we're hoping to do with, with the film. So anyways,
1: well, I think that's that's imperative. That if if we haven't created a film that evokes that in viewers, you know, yeah. then then we failed. Because as I say, you know, the wingsuit movies and the in the you know parasailing or whatever, you know, not parasailing,
0: <laughs> <but, laughs> acapoco
1: parasailing movies.
0: <laughs> um, Dude, you know that great parasailing documentary?
1: What's <laughs> oh, the one where uh, the, you got the board and the parachute and yeah, you know, yeah. You're jumping? Windsurfing.
0: No, no. Paris Let's just era. name all the extreme sports. Mountain biking.
1: Look, I just watched a movie called, it's a French movie and the American translation is called uh, Don't Crack Under Pressure. And I think there's about three of them. Uh, but anyhow, it's, it's a gorgeous movie and it's an extreme sports movie like uh, Magnetic,
0: right? Oh, uh, so Magnetic. Which, that's, you recommended that to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just bananas.
0: I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing, magnetic on Netflix, like watch it immediately. I, I told you, I watched it with my kids, my seven-year-old and four-year-old. And there's this, like, speaking of windsurfing, there's this like hunky dude. What is it? What is it called? Yeah. But anyways, he's like, this dude looks like Chris Hemsworth and Thor, right? Like, but he's like 18 and my four-year-old just looks like they're giggling, like they're in the corner giggling, watching this part of the movie, and my four-year-old just turns to me and she goes, <clears throat> "I'm gonna marry that guy." And I'm like, "Oh, jeez!" And I texted you, Paul. I'm like, "Thanks, man, for the movie <laughs> recommendation. What are we doing?" But
1: I'm gonna remember the name of that sport. We're gonna get killed if we can't. Dude, it's so obvious what it is. Um, but anyhow. Uh, oh yeah, that huge—the huge, the huge that
0: portion voice. of the audience of this podcast are windsurfers. So. I apologize. Oh, but
1: it's the one where you're you know, you're jumping up in the air and, you know,
0: God damn it, wakeboarding, wakeboarding. No, wind wakeboarding. With wind.
1: Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but my point is we're we're stuck. But so my point is this is um those movies fill a certain niche and they're just astounding. Yeah. Right? I mean they're really just mesmerizing to watch those movies. Um But they're ethereal, right? This is the province of gods. When you see these guys doing these things or women, you're like, no human being can do this, right? Yeah. Um, In a lot of ways, we're the opposite of that. That's our intention here, which is to say, no, these are people that are like you and me that walk the streets and are just taking a flyer. They're just going, you know what, man, I think I can do the impossible. Uh, and I think that's where we differ from those films. Um, and I think as I say, I think that can be really profound.
0: Yeah man. I think we should wrap it there. That was you always you always say stuff in really smart ways, and I'm always impressed every time.
1: No, but I'm trying to remember the name of the theme. <laughs> <laughs> What is it Well you
0: will know, well, the- I'll add it in the show notes. At the end, or in the out basically, outro. They're,
1: basically, they're on a like a a, 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 a windsurfing board, but there's not a, a mast. It's you know they're holding on to a parachute that's that's connected yes. to their hip. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, it's the standing on a windsurfing board, holding onto a parachute sport with Thor. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, maybe we can edit it in later. <laughs> it'll just be a really obvious like computer voice saying the correct. (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing but dude thank you so much man you're always the best i'm super excited to work with or i mean we've been working on this for a while but i'm super honored honestly man like i just you're helping me do something that i think i've always dreamed of and i can't be more grateful and I'm psyched to see you next weekend, dude. That's coming up. Oh, I know.
1: I know. We're, it's, you know, we, we open up the the box of chocolates next week and we start seeing what's in there. So that's that's the exciting part for me because as a, you know, as a scripted uh, filmmaker, you know, I've only ever made, you know, TV shows and films, you know, that are scripted. Uh, and so coming into kind of the serendipity of, of documentary filmmaking is, is really threatening to me because it's all just discovery in a lot of ways. As I say, I mean, we we know the story, we think we know the story we want to tell. And we have our, you know, people that we're going to follow. And we think we know their stories. But really, it's going to be all of the curveballs that are daily thrown at us, you know, where we never saw this coming, or this coming, which is, is for me, just absolutely exciting. Because, you know, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, you're just, rather than creating the material you're bearing witness. Um, and that, that I, that I just can't wait to do.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And just so you know, if you, I I am going to update the people who support it on Indiegogo, like we have segments we're filming before the race. So I will be sending out some updates, um, of how that went and kind of like keep, I want to keep people in the loop. If they're supporting the project, like I want to keep them in the loop and like, you know, include them as much as possible so smart sweet dude all right man well hey oh plus bunk bed cots we'll flip that coin (laughs) (laughs) we'll flip a coin man we'll flip a coin we got it all right dude thank you for coming on thanks for having me all right ladies and gents that wraps up this week's episode of the like a bigfoot podcast um Thank you to Paul for everything. Uh, he came out. He flew out here last weekend all day last Saturday and all day last Sunday. We started filming. Uh, we filmed about five interviews. We filmed one of the racers who's also a burrow racer uh, down at an event because that's just cool. That's interesting. Um, I got to go run with a burrow, which is how you should start making a film. I've realized so like two days into being a filmmaker, quote unquote, i um, I think like lesson one you should do burrow racing to start your film like donkeys are notoriously um you know easy to work with they're not stubborn uh (laughs) they're not pains in the ass you know quite literally in that sense um yeah they're pieces of cake dude you should start with that that's i'm pretty sure that's how spielberg started filming a donkey race um so yeah so they were there on sunday well and then we filmed an interview uh with this uh nice couple in Lakewood, uh Mike and Rose Adams. Um and on Sunday we went down to the Gemini Adventures office, uh Reed and Kyla. If you Kyla was on the podcast a few month like a month or so ago. Um and we interviewed them about their race. And I mean obviously these are the people who have been to every Desert Rats. They've they've seen the racers. They've seen they've heard the stories of what people went through and they see him at the finish line and like, woo, let me tell you, interviewing them, there was a moment where Kyla was talking about what the race means and, and, and how it helps, how it helps people like grow as human beings. And I legitimately was about to just start bawling, um, because she nailed it. Like she hit the nail on the head of exactly what I experienced both years. Um and exactly like why it's so important to me. Um and by that I mean like I almost like openly started sobbing. Like not just like single tier. I'm like talking about like I need I need to leave for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it was so beautiful. <laughs> um and then we went uh Reed's uh has been an MMA coach for the last 20 years, a wrestling coach at a jujitsu gym. Uh you know, and since that sport really was in its infancy, um, he's been doing it so 20 years. So we went and filmed him uh in his gym, which is really his natural setting, I feel like. Uh and halfway through I'm just like looking around and I'm seeing like all these plans that I had had coming together. Um and and I'm in like this uh jujitsu gym easton's in boulder and i'm just like dude this is like a Rocky montage right now you know like (laughs) and i got so excited because you know me and my love of sports movies too and i was like dude this is exactly what i wanted from this experience um so yeah so you know just to update you guys in for the next two months before the event we'll be um shooting a couple more things filming a couple more things but really like the bulk of it is at the event itself uh and the funds on the indiegogo campaign a lot of them go to making the movie look good uh and sound good and really be a great experience for whoever's watching the film you know because i'll you know i being at the race itself like I keep saying, and I've said it probably too many times on this podcast about desert rats, but like there is something special about this this event. Um, there's something that is like almost like a spiritual experience when you're out there by yourself on the Coca Pelle. It's June. It's super hot, uh, and you're out there with your fellow human beings, your fellow adventurers, your fellow desert rats that are like taking this on and. It's it's almost like it just it has me shaking like I I just weird thing like I do think going back out there just to film this time like I am gonna have some some envy for the people as they head down the trail and I'm like oh man I just know what they're about to see I know what they're about to have to battle I know what they're about to witness oh and I'm gonna be like oh I wish I was with them (laughs) but uh but yeah so um yeah i think that's about it guys like i said in the intro if you guys could support even a dollar helps honestly we would love any sort of support um you know as as you contribute to the campaign you'll be getting all the updates and all that fun stuff um along the way so so i really appreciate it uh for everyone who's already um backed the campaign like you guys are blowing my mind you are incredible i i I am so much appreciative of everyone who believes in this project and and really wants to see it go. I mean, it's going to go through no matter what, but they want to see it at its absolute best. So uh, thank you, guys. All right. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week. We're going to be talking with Jason Green uh, of the Yeti Trail Runners out on the East Coast. Uh, he's an amazing guy. So I'm super psyched for that, that episode. Uh, and we'll check back with you then. See ya.